Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends Kristen Balboni, Will Bryan, and Darren Gant. Welcome to a week 17 edition. We have another week after this, but we were in week 17 this week for the happy half hour. I'm joined again by Mick Mixon, Darren Gant. Welcome into the show. We have plenty to talk about, but as we've done the last couple weeks, these happy half hours haven't been as happy, and we're going to start on a less happy note today. It's the maudlin half hour. Yeah. Morose. The the passing of John Madden, a legend. Uh, we learned about this last night, but you guys have been around this game for a long time. i um, curious your thoughts on on John. Yeah, I mean, John Madden was a Hall of Fame coach, and you he could have retired and done nothing but that, and his legacy would have been cemented. I mean, he was a former player, got hurt, but he got in the game young, and he was he was this big presence on the sideline, and, and he kind of embodied what the Raiders were about in the 70s, and they were the physically dominant. They were the swagger team. They were aggressive. They were in your face, and he, he was all those things, and he kind of set the stage for – a lot of the stuff that they did in the years to come. And I just, you know, you can admire him at that level and be done, and it's an incredible legacy. But he just kept stacking up more and more and more. And the thing about it is John Madden as a, as a broadcaster was just so much fun. I mean, the guy walked in with no pretense, no expectations, and he's just – you know, making fun of the steam coming off Nate Newton's head, saying you could grill burgers up there. <laughs> and people are looking at their TV like, wait, that's not what the man on the TV is supposed to sound like. But because he was so genuine, it worked. I'm one of the few people that you may, might ever meet that's never played one second of Madden. But in, in my world, and Darren touched on this, the broadcast world, the pairing of John Madden and Pat Summerall was it was almost as if angels were singing. You got the decorated minimalist, Pat Summerall, who also played pro mm-hmm. football, who realized, to his credit, that on television, the color guy is the main guy. On radio, the play-by-play guy tends to talk more, or play-by-play woman tends to talk more, and then and then the color. Not that the color people aren't prominent, they are, but TV was different. And then so the, the, the rise to prominence of the Summerall-Madden broadcast team with the Telestrator enabled mm-hmm. John Madden to just, I mean, his star just went streaking across the sky. And then when someone imitates you to, to the degree that Frank Caliendo captured John Madden. <laughs> so on the backs of the Giants, like John Madden, came Frank Caliendo. And I always heard that Madden didn't like that, that he 
Have you have you guys heard this that Madden no. did not like mm-hmm. being imitated by Frank Caliendo? But yeah, the only thing cooler when I was a kid than electric football, where you plug that thing in and pull about thirty amps and create a brownout uh-huh. over half your hometown, <laughs> yeah. was was John Madden because he looked like somebody who would have been good at electric football way before the electronic version of the Madden game. Do do you feel like you would have liked being imitated? <laughs> <laughs> to, to put yourself in those shoes? I don't know. I guess. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. So unless it's mean spirited, you might as well. But I don't think I don't feel like it like it is. I think it's I, I think it in in much that the the larger understanding of John Madden is with the, just this imitation, but with joy and flattery of yeah. just like how much it was how much he made football fun. I don't think that it took away from him. But maybe I'm I mean I'm not in his shoes. No, he not only made it fun, but he made it understandable. So we sure. have those people that, that want to sound smart, and so we end up talking about. The, you know the cover two shell, and here's a China route and veil technique, and I mean that's all fine, but John Madden simplified it. He appealed to every person, every man, every woman. I mean, if you didn't even speak English, sure, you could understand John Madden. This guy comes here and boom, and then this guy goes here and boom, and but, then he's drawing the squiggly lines. It was amazing. And I've watched some of that that clip or some of like the the full game of the uh, the divisional game against Dallas, the first playoff mm-hmm. game here that he and Pat Summerall did. Like that full clip is on YouTube, so you can watch the full game. And you know, as someone that was now older listening to him, he he simplifies it, but he's not incorrect. It, it's it's still a very accurate prediction and under an analysis of what is happening in the secondary and why this underneath route needed to go where it did or it didn't go where it needed to, and that's why this was an incomplete pass. Like he. It was still very, very on point. Right. The football was always sharp, but, I mean, to me, and I tweeted about this last night, the thing with John Madden was he always remembered that this was a game. Yeah. He always remembered that we're supposed to be having fun here. Mm -hmm. And to Mick's point, I mean, a lot of people overcomplicate football and get caught up in the jargon to explain to you exactly how smart they are during a broadcast. But what John Madden did was said, hey, look at that six-legged turkey. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it's like, yes, this is ridiculous because this is a child's game that grown men are playing and and doing, you know, physical violence, and let's have some fun with it. it holy cow, look at that guy. You know, I mean, it's just making fun of Troy Aikman for not being able to grow a beard on the sideline. I mean, it's just that's the stuff that – I mean, that's why the reaction to John Madden last night across football – galaxy was so big because he he was the reason we do the thing because the thing is supposed to be fun and he embraced it and he made it real and it was genuine and those raider teams were i mean rock stars Mm -hmm. they didn't care they played to the echo of the next whistle after the next play i mean the the guys uh grew up when darren and i did they just lived for those AFL games, Chiefs and the Raiders. I mean, it was so mm-hmm. much fun. And then lastly, for my part of this, it's worth a couple of minutes of your YouTube time to, to Google up The Wind is a Pirate, NFL Films Productions. Get some idea of the Raiders and what that pirate with that eye patch over it meant back in those days. Did they you use, know what I'm talking did about? Did they use yeah, that for I the did. Hard Knocks intro a couple of years ago? I feel like I've seen that. I do Maybe not, not. I'll look it up. Yeah. Anyway, back to the Panthers. This past Sunday, we witnessed a 17-minute press conference of, of Cam Newton that would take us a long time to fully break down every 
individual element of it. Right. So that's also worth your YouTubing time. But wanted to hear, Darren, you wrote a little bit about it. What was your takeaway from Cam's thoughts after that game? Cam Newton walked into that ver- uh, walked into that press conference and he started using past tense verbs. Everything was the game's been good to me. I've been able to walk away unscathed and I'm sitting there like, "Oh god, he's going to do it today. He's going to say it today." And then he kind of caught himself because Cam has awareness of himself when he's behind that lectern to say, "No, nah, I'm not retiring. I know it might sound like it, but that ain't what today's all about." That was what today was all about. That was, I mean, to me, I believe, you know, and we've touched on this, the Cam Newton that we're seeing now is not the Cam Newton we remembered, and it's not the Cam Newton we want to remember. And the person who knows that more than anybody is Cam Newton. I I think there's an understanding on his part that, man, all this stuff I used to be able to do, I ain't doing anymore. Mm -hmm. And I used to be able to throw the football over the mountain in a place where people could catch it. And... It's it's difficult to watch in a lot of ways because we've seen here, and I mean, Mick's called every game of it, you, you've seen this bright, shining star who can do anything physically, and now physically he cannot, and it's hard to watch. When Andrew Luck decided that he wanted to go back to school for his last year to get a degree in architecture, whatever it was, and it looked like the Panthers were going to pick early in that draft, first overall. Several co-workers, and I don't want to mention their names, but one of them's initials is Stephen Justin Drummond, <laughs> were at, just beside apoplectic, catatonic, depressed, couldn't believe the bad luck. And I said, Bo, there's a guy – don't worry about it. There's a guy at Auburn who will end up being one of the great dual-threat quarterbacks ever to play in the NFL. Now, this is at a time when the, the running quarterback was – this is pre-Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's pre – uh, Taysom Hill, that kind of thing. So, but it was post little, Michael Vick, which some people regarded as an outlier, who yeah. you know, who really wasn't that much of a passer at that time. Cam Newton was leading the nation in pass completion percentage, and wasn't afraid to throw the ball downfield. Right. And when he when we signed him, I thought there is no way this athlete will not take us to at least one championship, if not two. He just he's too talented. Rob Chudzinski. Is too creative. It, it's going to work. I was so excited. Yeah. And it almost did work. Yeah. And, and the thing about him that's always struck me is he was always able to do this stuff by himself. He won a national championship at Auburn, and the only player from that offense other than him uh, to even be drafted into the NFL was a big old long, lean tackle named Lee Zimba, who was drafted here to great acclaim in the seventh round. And Never did a thing in the NFL. Cam was not out there with great weapons. He never had the opportunity to play with a receiver like DJ Moore mm-hmm. uh, at Auburn or any or Steve Smith or anybody like that. And, and just by force of will, he carried that entire ball team to a national championship. And just seeing the way he did it, I mean, it, it almost didn't make sense because you look at that team and it's like, no, they don't have great receivers. They, but they got that guy. And he's always been that guy. And that's why watching him talk about it, more so than the stuff he's doing on the field, because I think we all got caught up. I mean, in Arizona, when he does the thing he did in Arizona, it's like, well, of course that's what he did. He's Cam Newton. And then he played well in Washington. And then the last four since then, though, it's been like, 
oh, yeah, that's why. And it's hard to watch because it, we are, I believe, seeing the sunset of something tremendous. Um, and the fact that he knows it and the way he was talking about it, he kept talking about gratitude. He kept talking about the lessons he learned here and, and learning what keep pounding means from guys like Steve mm-hmm. Smith and Thomas Davis and Ryan Cleo and Jordan and everybody. I mean, hearing him rattle through those names, hearing him talk about how good Charlotte's been to him, that carried a little more weight than we just lost to the Bucks. I was six years old when Cassius Marcellus Clay from out of Louisville, Kentucky, beat Sonny Charles Liston, Charles Sonny Liston, in Miami, Florida to win the heavyweight championship of the world. But I remember it. And I was eight during the rematch in Lewiston, Maine. He changed his name to Muhammad Ali. And toward the end of his – and I was a huge, huge fan. Toward the end of his career, it was difficult to watch his skills erode, and he would absorb punishment. And every now and again, the magic would still be there. He'd throw a couple of combinations and then move away and mm-hmm. light on his feet, those dancers' feet. Cam Newton, just bodies like that only come along every hundred million births or so, if that. And then with his combat, combative, competitive fire, with his pride, instead of Zimba, we got Simba. And, and he romped and stomped across the jungle around here for a long time. And to me, one of the lasting memories I have, I mean, I did a couple of little middle school things with him where the script called for seven minutes or five minutes, and he did almost an hour with the kids. I mean, the heart for kids that he mm-hmm. had is an underappreciated component of his personality. And I remember sitting with Charlie Dayton in the press box for FanFest. So FanFest was this glorified five or 6,000 people would come out and uh, watch yeah, training camp Panthers. practice. I know, yeah, watch a training camp practice. Mm-hmm. Then, then we hitch our, 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 mm-hmm. our, our cables to, to this energetic energy source of Cam Newton. Now FanFest becomes 50,000 people at $5 a head. Let's be honest, to at, watch at him. At night right. with fireworks for, with fireworks for the, the cam and, show. Right. Yeah. You and know, last for time, the cam, yeah. And d- last time Darren and I checked, the wave mm-hmm. went out of style with the polyester <laughs> leisure suit, the pet rock, and the mood ring, and the chia pet. But, can't, but not with Cam Newton. The Pied Piper of Party was able to get the wave, the reverse wave, the silent, the slow motion wave. <laughs> Who else? So this I put to you. What other athlete in the modern era of sport Combine that effervescent joy of playing, that command of an audience. It's a short list. I can think of Ali, Magic Johnson. That's tough. I mean, it really is because he he is so singular in football. I mean, there haven't been a lot of guys in the NFL period who you point to and say, man, he can do anything. Yeah. Tiger Woods had a run, of course. Michael Jordan had runs, but it it wasn't – Fan engaging, right. it was all deadly serious right. and no I mean, fun. May, there wasn't that Steph element to of an joy. Extent. Yeah, I mean, Steph Curry is probably the closest thing we've got among modern yeah. athletes to it. But yeah, we'll I, miss him. I, I think it was it it was hard not to see kind of the Thomas and Greg both being down there next to him and you know him embracing them. You know, right before he came over and took a picture with T.J. Olsen right before he hit the keep bounding drum. You know, you could kind of see it felt like in the back of Cam's mind of him just soaking in every moment of being on that field um, and having those guys there kind of around him saying, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're here, you know, we spent all this time with you and now we're, we're here for this moment for you. And it, that, I think that meant, that meant a lot to him. I mean, it shoot, it meant something to me just watching it from, from the 400 level. 
Yeah, I, I told you guys before, I, I was in a full-body goosebump when he came out of that tunnel and for the Washington game. Yeah. I mean, just standing there in that cloud, and it was incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that alone was worth the price of whatever. I know tickets are expensive, but that, that, was, <laughs> sure. that was such a moment. And the thing about it is, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Cam Newton was signed to come back here after sitting on his couch for nine weeks in a fit of desperation for a four and five team that had an injured quarterback who was in a period where he was sort of scuffling anyway. And it's like, what can you do to grab for the side of the pool? So you call Cam and he was willing and they were willing and conversations were had and bridges were mended. And, um, here we are, but we we got that moment out of it. Mm-hmm. We got Arizona out of it where, you know, whether – I mean, even if he had never played another snap after the Arizona game, seeing that, Cam Newton coming in out of what amounted to retirement because nobody else in the league was trying to break down his door to get him in there, and to see him walk in days after being signed and score a touchdown with relative ease – it's like, yeah, that, that guy, that's the moment. And that's the kind of thing. I mean, I, I think while this season hadn't met anybody's expectations around here, you got to see that. And for whatever pain, for whatever gnashing of teeth, for whatever anger people have about certain elements of the process right now, you got to see that. You got to see that guy summon it one last time. Is it even fair to speculate on who Jake DeLome said on our radio broadcast on Sunday he does not think the starting quarterback next year is currently on the roster who do you think is well there ain't but one on the roster next year and that's Sam and it's reasonable to wonder if it's not I mean it's you know there's going to be a lot of stuff going on over the next six months around here because between a top 10 draft pick free agency trade alternatives I mean the Panthers are going to get linked to all that stuff and that's because of the way they've operated. I mean, they've rolled four quarterbacks through here in the last two years, and they're going to continue looking for answers. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think they gave Sam a shot. I think they will probably continue to uh, over these last couple of weeks. But as well as Sam played the first four weeks of the year, there's not that momentum that, oh, yeah, absolutely, you know, go into next year with that. I mean, they're going to add to the position, whether it's, trading for somebody, bringing in another free agent, drafting one in the first round, or, or whenever it happens to be, there's absolutely going to be more quarterbacks in here, and they're just going to continue to throw. I mean, that's the strategy. Just keep swinging at that position. Keep hacking away till you get it right. Real briefly, we're going to see probably a good bit of Sam this coming weekend mm-hmm. uh, down in New Orleans and probably at Tampa Bay as well, but the more pressing thing here on a Wednesday is who else will be on that field. Uh, Obviously we had a number of, of COVID cases come up the last couple days. You know, there, there might be some more coming. Um, But you know, I, it, it's going to be interesting with what new Orleans went through last week, you know, on, on Monday night football 22. So, you know, I, I'm curious what, what you know how you can game plan for you know as a as a coach you know that kind of thing there is no game planning this week i mean right, right now the as we sit here recording this podcast on a wednesday morning the panthers are sitting there with 12 guys on the covid list but they don't have any centers right because sam tecklenburg went on the list yesterday pat elfine's still on the list he could get back this week but we don't know that i mean and one of the things that bugs me about all this stuff and it's just one of my little pet peeves is because we watch football the way we watch and we talk about, well, they don't have any centers. Well, the other thing is, Pat Elfline's sick. 
So let's hope Pat gets healthy. Yeah. Let's yeah. begin there yeah. and then start worrying about, you know, and all these guys who have this disease that so many people around the globe have, you know, okay, get better, get yourself right. But it's impossible to game plan mm-hmm. because they have basically no defensive end. Brian Burns and, and Marquise Haynes out. You know, Azur Kamara was activated yesterday, but we don't even know who he is because he hadn't <laughs> been here. He hadn't been to a practice yet. He rolled in after being claimed off waivers from Dallas and immediately tested positive. And it's like, we, if, he better be wearing a name tag today if you see him in the building. I will be asking you what his number is. I need um, to put that down there we got We've got that information. I can, journali- <laughs> I can do a journalism and find that out for you. When Tecklenburg, but, when Tecklenburg got sick, I wonder what Brandon Zilstra thought. Well, Zilstra is on the list. Well, I know, but he, he but he got on the list faster. I'm just, now I'm just kidding, of course. But yeah. Zilstra was probably thinking, all right, look, I I draw Listen. the line at kicking off. I'm not playing center in the National Football League. I bet he'd do it. Uh, he could. Do I it. bet he. I I wrote yesterday in the mailbag that he'd long snap if JJ would let him. <laughs> and I have no. I have every confidence that Brandon Zilstra, Zilstra could competently long snap or kick off or punt if need be. Parenthetically. Watching the Saints the other night with Ian Book and mm-hmm. sacked seven or eight times, I think. How many times was he sacked? Was it nine times or eight A times? A whole bunch. And I thought, man, the Saints, and I don't really like the Saints. I, I admire Sean Payton and the aptitude he has for offensive football. But the Saints seem like the, it's always something. It's always a tropical storm. <laughs> it's a hurricane. It's just somebody getting sick. Sean Payton seemed like he was the first, the second or third. He was almost patient zero in the NFL yeah. to get COVID. And then he it's got a it terrible again. terrible officiating call. Every time you turn around, it's, oh, God, the, the, oh, the humanity. You know, that sh- the Saints probably could have had another championship or two with a little better yeah. something. They, something. They, they, did, they did get to enjoy that very long period of having a Hall of Fame quarterback under center. Yeah, so, uh, true that. That's you know, true. I don't begrudge those guys – too much because they enjoyed the stability that a lot of people would kill for. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and they are. They were without 22 dudes Monday mm-hmm. night. And, you know, with the way the league has adjusted these rules to follow the CDC guidelines, shortening up the quarantine times and that kind of thing, I, I think you, you're you going to see guys come and go off that list all week. It's going to be 12. It's going to be 14. It's going to be 11. It's going to be, you know, 8. And then back up to eleven. That's just the way this season's going to go for the next week and a half. So, just brace yourself for that. But we could spend a lot of time talking about this game on Sunday, but it's kind of pointless because I don't know who's going to play in it. The so then we'll we'll end with this. Last night, there was a re-airing of an incredible documentary mm-hmm. about John Madden, and there was a clip in it. Uh, that we that we saw on our Slack channels uh, this morning of Lawrence Taylor going after a photographer, which of course you know us being in the industry, you know we we have some photographers, videographers around here. We like to, you know, what would what would you do in that situation? And Mick, you you have a story about LT. Well, uh, LT and I almost got in a fist fight at the University of North Carolina at Chapel yeah, Hill, did. and I'll tell you exactly what happened because it almost didn't go good for for LT. Lawrence Taylor, for those who do not know, was this twitchy, mad at it, one-off, aggressive, mean, Kodak All-American defensive lineman, linebacker at UNC. Your humble correspondent was an umpire for the intramural all-campus championships summer of 1979. 
The dental school at Carolina back then was a perennial power. They had a they they were always in the all campus championship game. The football team featuring Bun Rames, Buddy Curry, uh, Steve Streeter, Kelvin Bryant, Lawrence Taylor, Amos Lawrence. I mean, they're loaded with athletes, and it's the all campus championship in early August. So I'm the home plate umpire. I had a whisk broom from my dad's shop to dust off home plate. I had my mom's little quickie calorie counter thing to, to keep track of balls and strikes. I'd gone to McGinney Sporting Goods in my hometown of Chapel Hill and gotten the softball rule book and read it all and knew the rules. And I took umpiring seriously. I, additionally, I had worked all summer on my called third strike in case someone took a called third strike, which almost never happens in slow-pitch <laughs> softball. But back then, I was as limber as a rag. I could do a Denny Terrio dance fever split and pop back up. And so I had this dramatic home run, I mean, a strike three call all, all planned out. So the fifth inning, jam-packed crowd, <laughs> Carmichael Auditorium field, just to the left of Carmichael Auditorium as you faced Carmichael. Lawrence Taylor comes to the plate with none on and two out. And the pitcher for the dental school, who I remember looked exactly like Kenny Loggins, and he also had terrible teeth. And I'm thinking, <laughs> which is ironic, skinny, uh, long, stringy hair, bad teeth. Dennis to be is the pitcher, and he had he knew what he knew how to pitch. I mean, the ball would come in no higher than 12 feet, no lower than six. First pitch comes in, Lawrence Taylor, who looks by the way like a Kodiak bear with a toothpick in his hands for the bat. Left-handed hitter, first pitch raises his right leg, boom, and a brand new Dudley restricted flight blue dot softball disappears out into the sky and is gone over the pole vault pit down behind Carmichael Field. So I peg another one out to Kenny Loggins, younger brother, the pitcher. <coughs> 0 and 1. Next pitch comes in, raises his right leg, the same swat, the same violent collision with the ball and the bat. Boom! Another exact same trajectory. 500 feet foul ball that counts 0 and 2. Another ball goes out to the pitcher. Third pitch comes in, and it's exact duplicate a mimeograph copy of the first two no higher than 12 no lower than six lt raises right leg cocks the bat steps into it and in an event a moment that changed my life he did not swing oh my gosh the catcher who had his glove right behind the, the spike of home plate he did not have to move his glove a millimeter the ball landed right in his glove this catcher for the dental school knowing that there was two out knowing that that was strike three and knowing that this is lawrence taylor at the plate looks back at me as if to say, what do you got, Slim? <laughs> but I was already into my spin move. It hadn't rained in about two months. So I spin around three or four times, kick up a mild sandstorm, hop up on one leg, do a split, pop back up, and I'm yelling the whole time, Steve, and I jab LT in the chest with my right finger. Oh, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I jabbed him right in the chest. And with my left hand, I went, strike three, get out of here. And so the dental school runs off, football team runs on. I'm dusting off. I'm dusting off the plate, and as the sandstorm I created starts to clear, I see these two legs and skin the color of anthracite coal. And then I go up to this va these vascular thighs that are thicker than my chest, and I look up into the eyes of Lawrence Taylor, who's still standing there. And he addressed me. I give him credit. He addressed me with great respect. He said, hey, white boy, did you call that pitch a strike? And I said, oh, well, uh, <laughs> LT, yes, uh, I did, but I am open to a second opinion. <laughs> he said, he pointed his finger at me, and he said, if I see you on campus, 
if I see you at Trolls, if I see you at Kirk's, if I see you at Harrison's, I'll beat you. And I'm taking all the curse words out, but there were plenty, trust me. Now, LT's voice was not deep, but neither is the hiss of a copperhead, and they both get their menacing points across quite clearly. LT in this high-pitched voice said, I will beat you to within an inch of your blank in life. I tell my buddies that when the semester begins. Two months later, we're at this little watering hole called Trolls, and LT walks in. And all my friends jump up. LT, LT! And they start pointing at me. (laughs) (laughs) So we almost had to come to blows, but we did not. Tell me more about these former friends of yours. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know, with friends like that. Oh, my gosh. Holy wow. smokes. What a story. There's nothing to be said after that. No, there's not. Call it a day, everybody. Thanks for coming out. There it is. Happy New Year's, everyone. We'll see you next week. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.